Hello and welcome to Talking Bottom. I'm Paul Tanter. I'm Angela Pearson. And I'm Matt Brooks. This week, as part of our theme series to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the world's greatest sitcom, we're looking at a gross and disgusting universe. It's one of the topics we found ourselves drawn to as we do our research for the book Talking Bottom, A Guide to the Cult Sitcom, which we're currently writing. That's the plug-in, nice and subtle, early on, brilliant. Carry on. Thank you. There are many unique, fantastic and outlandish universes in the world of fiction. There's the zombies and cannibalism of The Walking Dead, the female subjugation of The Handmaid's Tale, the casual violence and horrific assaults of A Clockwork Orange, (laughs) the infertility and impending extinction of humanity in Children of Men, the never-ending war and crushing of the individual by the state in 1984, and the Middle Ages-style poverty combined with high chance of slavery of Game of Thrones, which also adds in the likelihood of being savagely murdered by soldiers or being burned to death by dragons. With the exception of The League of Gentlemen, no other sitcom exists in a universe quite like the one Richie and Eddie inhabit. It's a hypercharged version of our world, where all the seedy parts are dialed up to 11. It's a world where dinners are prepared from the contents of urban alleyways and last week's scrapings from the fridge, where dead dogs end up on kebab spits and colostomy bags are boiled up like curries. It's a world of dodgy doctors performing back alley surgery and selling the organs on the black market, where men desperate for cash to bet on horses will happily steal an amputee's false leg and their own grandmother's gold teeth. It's a world of violence and self-mutilation, where chainsaws, cattle prods, frying pans and forks are used to dismember, electrocute, smash and stab the residents of Hammersmith. And it's a world where you're never far from freshly spilled bodily fluids. Whether it's blood spraying from a severed finger, a lake of vomit hurled up after an evening on the beer and lard, or the diuretic splashings of inept trick-or-treaters. Now, after our episode on class and poverty, I want to make clear that anything gross and dark here is not to be conflated with poverty. The characters in Bottom aren't poor by choice, but by circumstance. But them being squalid and perverse is a choice. Being poor doesn't mean you need to drink the contents of the drip tray, but being skanky makes you more inclined to do it. That's rather poetic, Paul. Thank you. It's very surprising. (laughs) Normally you just swear and... (laughs) <laughs> get bitter well, well in the absence of a hugely long wikipedia summary to read this week i thought i'd better write something so yeah, fair enough very good yeah and i agree wholeheartedly there isn't anything beyond the league of gentlemen quite like bottom is there in terms of the the grotesque not not in sitcom when i was thinking about worlds or fictions to compare it to everything always came back to either cartoons yep. or mm. fantasy what do you mean by fantasy like game of thrones sort like of thing? that kind yeah. of thing yeah Tell you what I always think of, not a complete comparison, but I think of Richie and Eddie's Hammersmith akin to Springfield, where at the drop of a hat, the crowds would turn into a riot, you know, like, yeah. at any they're, moment. They're literally a mob yeah. outside the window and yeah. any any opportunity for depravity or criminal activity. So, yeah, like as soon as they leave the shop unattended for a yeah. moment, they're literally looting. And everyone's on the take. Everyone's a little bit yeah. dodgy. Lionel Hutz, Apu, whatever. And stuff. Um, so in Bottom, there's very few, quote unquote, normal people. Um, off the top of my head, the gas man, mm. um, probably the most normal person in all of, of Bottom. Yeah. Uh, and some of the workers in the Marveloso Splendido Hotelo, like the chambermaid, yeah. quite normal. Yeah. Many, many characters we don't even see, just hear of. One of my favourite throwaway gags is Dodgy Bob McMayday, the most violent travel agent in the world. <laughs> is it's fucking poetry that's my least favorite episode but my favorite line there's a lot of those characters that we never see that have those weird names isn't there yeah the sort of populate this uh, this weird universe yeah i've written down a few of my favorites um you've got harry i'll do anything for half a pint grundy <laughs> obviously school crusher henderson 
Obviously, from um, Bottom Live 2, you've got Jeffrey, the psychopathic penis remover. Oh, what's he in for? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And Horace Big. Um, And then, obviously, just Harry the Bastard. You've got Keith and Deirdre McFrenzy is their surname, which isn't made like a big deal of, is it? Keith and Deirdre. That's true. There's a a lot of mucks, isn't there? Yeah. uh, Yeah, well, this is my... um, Richard Fave. Muck Richard, that's a fake one though, it, isn't it? It's not a Muck, but it's it's definitely, um, it's the other, to the it's the O. So you've got Mad Dog Patrick, do you want some of this O-fist? <laughs> <laughs> so the Muck and the O is the Irish, kind yeah. of violent. So which, which one's he? Which one's, which one's he from? I'm sure I remember now. I read it off uh, the old Wikipedia. Well, is it is it in the live shows? Maybe. I think that, that rings a bell that's been in a live yeah. show. Some of them are nicknames and some of them are actual names. Like, I think the Do You Want Some of This is the nickname, but O'Fist is his actual is that, name. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, Tubbs Lardy. Like, he's definitely been nicknamed that because he's a big mm. fat bastard, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but it's like that thing of, like, nicknames are either usually to lampoon what your physical appearance is or something that's happened to you in your childhood. Yeah. Uh, like, affectionate sometimes, but they're not other, <laughs> these are not affectionate in any way, are they? They've usually got one defining characteristic that Richard Eddy used to identify them, don't they? Mm, tight mouth Larry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the act, <laughs> the nickname that Richie has, the cunt. Isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so does, does the universe of Bottom have its own kind of set of rules? A bit like a bit like Springfield does. As Springfield as is an animation, you can have the thing of, well, everything's reset the next week things are back to normal yeah injuries disappear that absolutely. kind of absolutely it's mm. definitely that but yeah. also is there a kind of uh, when I think of Richard Eddy's Hammersmith I think of the opening shots of Contest and Smells which is a rainy dark night I know they go outside during the day in this show but it always seems to be gloomy and dark Grizzly. and yeah. British weather right yeah. what we mm. know as actual British people not people looking at like an American watching England. Yeah, mm-hmm. like the fact that you know drizzle balls and all of that, you know, like looking out the window mournfully, wanting to go outside but stuck indoors. I mean, yeah. you know, pretty much like we've all been in lockdown, but it wasn't raining every day here, was it? It was actually it was really, quite sunny, which a was really cruel. hot summer. <laughs> yeah. Just hanging around in my pants with a beard, <laughs> crying. Which, which is probably what Eddie would do, but mm. with the curtains closed. Yeah, I guess so. Can they grow beards though? Of course they can. What are we talking about? I would yeah. imagine so. Well, yeah. You can't grow hair. Bald <laughs> people can grow hair on their face, though, right? I think so. Yeah. What about pubes? No, they can't grow pubes on their face. Mm, no, you can glue them on, though. I think. <laughs> so. But yeah, is it called pathetic fallacy when the weather reflects your mood? Pathetic fallacy. Wasn't that your nickname in school? <laughs> seasonal anxiety. Pathetic fallacio is, um, well, I think, when the weather affects your mood. Just what so was it? Ha- seasonal anxiety disorder. Oh yeah, sorry, but I mean sad. in literary or you know filmic. Uh, I think Shakespeare did it. I don't know if he actually coined the phrase. He coined a lot of them, didn't he? Yeah. But I think I seem to remember from the annals of my mind in English literature A level. It was pathetic fallacy if it's if the weather is reflecting the character's mood, which is right. why often in any film, as soon as someone's broken up with someone or something, they walk outside and of course Raining. it's pouring with rain. Yeah. yeah. Charlie Brown with the mm. rain cloud following him. Yeah cartoon again mm. a lot of the dark and gross universe mm. stuff can be uh, summed up with how dodgy literally every person in authority is like the sex shop owner that's another one that's could be just been a really small thankless part but there's something a bit weird about him I mean, you know sex shop owner is going to be pretty squalid as a traditional stereotype isn't mm. it that of 
or what one assumes mm. when you go into a sex shop. I, I have never, never once been. No, never, never no. in my life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need sexual aids. But um, the, I mean, even when he says "morning vicar, lovely day" out the window, Richie, you, know, you don't see it, but the vicar clearly flicks in the V's yeah, or, or something. Or, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, charming, you know. So even the people in authority yeah. are vile. And, but, that, and that's the window from which he constantly throws refuse yeah. down onto, onto the yeah. street. Onto that man? Yeah, um, yeah. but is, is it that Richie and Eddie are so vile yeah. and they, they then bring that out in other people? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's the vicar. <laughs> yeah, that's the point. It's not just an angry vicar. It's, oh, it's that cunt. <laughs> yeah. oh, fuck off. Don't yeah. ever come to my church again, you brick. Maybe. It could be evil. Evil one mm-hmm. works very well. Rottweiler, huge, huge uh, standout mm-hmm. one of just... Living seaside postcard yeah. string fest doesn't have the hanky on the head, but I always picture him mm. <laughs> like that. Yeah, <laughs> he would be face. at the seaside, wouldn't he? But yeah, yeah, in the underpants and everything. And he literally embodies the name Rottweiler, doesn't he? When he mm. has that angry, bright red face and everything. So, yeah, evening, Mr. Rottweiler, laugh straight away. He gets a laugh. <laughs> like you don't need a single bit of backstory. Mm. But he's interesting one that we actually see. So a lot of the names and various characters in, in Richie and Eddie's world, we don't actually see them, do we? Yeah. Like obviously Spudgo and Hedgehog we meet, Rottweiler we meet, Mrs. Potato, but like a lot of them you're asked to conjure it up in your mind, which is actually often funnier. Because when you meet School Crusher Henderson, yeah, he's a big big horrible looking bloke but nowhere near what you imagine Horace Big would look like obviously then in the live show they bring on the ridiculous body don't they like at yeah. the door Cannibal like, Tapio Jones similar you yeah. just hear him and you don't even you, I guess it's POV from him at the end mm. all of you these, don't see him at all no that's true all of these characters often their default setting with Richie and Eddie is to go to violence you see that a lot yeah. in bottom as you said Matt even the authority figures twice when the police are in the show, once when they turn up at the flat after the burglary and once during the parade, are instances where they both actually assault Richie. And Whack him, Jenkins, yeah. and we invite everyone to fall on you and give you a good kick in. Yeah. Mm. The police are not to be respected. Yeah. That's like, a, it's a Rick Mao sort of thing, isn't it, I think? Mm. He, well, Rick, Rick from The Young Ones hated the pigs. Yeah. And the... uh, there's, there's talk as well, isn't it? I think Paul Jackson was telling us of... Uh, oh, uh, yeah, the police really like the show is oh no not the pigs oh god yeah. hate that, hate that idea but i think that's that's very um working class 70s sort of thing of mistrusting the police i don't yeah. know if rick mal actually like that but my dad was always sort of bred that into me like oh yeah don't pl- trust the police yeah it's either that you really really respect them blindly or you do take the mickey or or you you would never ever give a police officer the information they want because then you'd be a grass yeah and, you know there's that kind of honor amongst thieves kind of a- attitude towards the police isn't there that it's us and them tom baker wrote in his autobiography uh that in liverpool growing up the saying was once a policeman, never a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Wow. I mean, I'm from near Liverpool. I've never heard that one. Uh, um, but yeah, just the idea that you'd ever tell the busies anything, like yeah. you know, would make you less of a person. Like you know, you're not, yeah. you're not honourable if if we're like you know, it's it's actually like flip reverse <laughs> from what you were meant to. You meant to respect them and trust the police, but yeah. they will literally sell you down the river before. Like, so, why is the universe of bottom it's not a fictional place it's set in a real place mm. called hammersmith that back in the 90s was a little bit more of a shit on than it is now it's a little bit more metropolitan shall we say i guess hammersmith i don't know it sounds posh the word hammersmith is not like bogner or skegness yeah. well, the way richie says hammersmith yeah. does sound pretty posh doesn't it 
Why Why do you think they picked but, Hammersmith but as... Even, even Hammersmith sounds violent. I mean, Hammer's in there, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. You think about it that way. Like, yeah. Um, I've, I've only ever been through the station. Obviously, I've been to Rick's Bench now and I've been to the Hammersmith Apollo, but I've never really explored anywhere else around Hammersmith. Well, Hammersmith now is quite gentrified and all mm. the property costs a lot of money. I think back in the 90s, it was a bit of a run-down area. So I think they probably chose it for that particular reason. But do you think they were, obviously, I mean, not to hark back to Steptoe and Son all the time, but that's based in Shepherd's Bush. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. So it's like kind of that out out of the centre, yeah. kind of forgotten about, run-down areas. And, and they obviously wanted to find somewhere where they could place it in the real world. Also, I think both Rick and Aid lived around that sort of area. They were kind of West London-based, both mm. Rick was Barnes, I think, and Aid was that's sort right. of further north but still yeah. around there because didn't rick say that he used to go past on the bus or something where the bench was and he was actually upset when the bench went yeah. wasn't that a yeah. thing that he'd said in an interview and that's one of the reasons why of course like the bench was Come kind back. of put back in memory of him when i was um pretty young it was in the 90s i'm sure me and my mate went to Hammersmith to try and find the bottom bench <laughs> just mm-hmm. and no information at all yeah. went to Hammersmith train station got off and then let's look, have a look around, <laughs> spend like hours, oh. <laughs> no luck at all. And then started speaking to people. Excuse me, do you know where the bottom bench is? What? Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, you know what? I was really expecting that story to go. And we just walked out the station. There it was in front of us. It was the easiest thing we'd ever found. <laughs> no. Do you think at that point that was it? It was no, gone. It was it gone by there. Okay. Yeah. But it's before the internet was readily available. We were just two kids. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, mister. <laughs> well, the bench is on Google now, isn't it? It is now. It's yeah, actually a Rick Mail Memorial bench, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the Dark and Grocery Universe, the idea of them being in a real place, I think, was important, though. Even though they make up weird and wonderful names for people and everything, I think it was important to ground it properly in London. Yeah. But they obviously wanted it to be the opposite to the middle class sitcom where you're based in Surrey somewhere, you know, Norberton, isn't it, for Reggie Perrin? And is it Surbiton for The Good Life? It is, yeah, yeah. Um, Does it ground it having a real place name but being... You know, it could kind of be set anywhere. It could equal. I mean, obviously, Royston Vasey's a made-up place name, yeah, isn't it? Like I think. that that yeah. adds to the weird world of of the League of Gentlemen. But I think because their characters are so grotesque and out, yeah. out, out of the ordinary, whereas Richie and Eddie are, they're meant to, even though they're absurd, they're meant to exist, aren't they? I found myself trying to think of rules for this particular universe, or things that kind of came to define its grossness. And I found myself comparing it to the Middle Ages in London. So I'd like to just give a few examples and see if they chime here. London in the Middle Ages. Diet is poor and meat of questionable quality is often eaten by the populace. The city is sometimes beset by fires. Crime and villainy are rampant. Thievery abounds. Medicine is primitive. Attempts at surgery often end horribly for the patient. (laughs) Sexual deviancy is rife. Rubbish and excrement are thrown from windows into the streets below. Oh, of course, yes. That is literally as if you're reading down what they wanted to achieve in Bottom, isn't it? And you could say there are some things that still actually define London or the world now, such as... Dog shit kebab. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sexual deviancy. No, but I suppose it's like that thing I said earlier of everything is dialed up to 11 slightly. We'll take something that does exist in the real world, but we'll hypercharge it and... Mm go for the worst element of it or the most funny element of it yeah it's probably linked to rick and aid doing what we've said to be a live action cartoon 
you know? Well, how do you get the most outrageous laugh? It's by being most, you know, the biggest laugh that you get is through the shock mm. of what you're watching. And I think going back to our physical comedy episode, it's that idea of what's the comedian doing? He's acting outside the realms of social norms. Yeah. And he can be really crude and really filthy. And that is going to conjure up laughter. So the more out of the ordinary and the more grotesque and the more grim and grime and, and literally like almost horror kind of elements are going to make you laugh mm. more which is obviously why we all love bottom so yeah. much because it is so ludicrous and but, on the surface i guess it doesn't show you like royston basie you like, oh it's weird it, you it sort of presents itself as a traditional sitcom yeah kind of normal yeah. And then, mm. oh, the weirdness starts dripping, drip yeah. feeding through. Like you said, it's on, on the face of it, Bottom's a two-man kind of sitcom with a sofa in the living room. So a good way to sort of look at it and realise just how unique a universe Bottom has is if you do compare it to other sitcoms and ask yourself, when in other sitcoms does anyone ever do anything that approaches the level of darkness and grossness that we see in Bottom? Right. Steptoe and Son. Okay, so Steptoe and Son. League of Gentlemen, but then apart from that, I was struggling to think of just little individual okay. bits. So I've got one. let me give you one. Let me give you two examples. One was something that I really laughed at and then behaving badly. Yep, it was behaving oh, badly. Uh, do you want a pickle chili with that? No, is this something else? Um, the thing I was going to say was when um, when Dorothy has her appendix removed. Yeah. At the end of that episode, Tony can't see because he's yeah. put fuzzy bleach in his eyes, and Gary offers him the appendix in a jar, yeah. but says, "Do you want a do you want a pickle chili with that?" And he yeah. eats it. But that is like the final gag that brings you into the credits and everyone's groans at it. Yeah, in Bottom, sure. that would be like a throwaway thing. Yeah, yeah sure. The, the one other thing that I thought of was actually in Friends, that happy sanitised sitcom, there's an episode where Rachel challenged Ross to drink a glass of chicken fat. You were going to drink the fat. Yes, that's mm-hmm. the one. Insults thrown around. And it, but uh, that comes from Joey drinking it first. Oh, oh shit. Joey goes to the fridge because it's Joey. He'll go to the fridge, he'll find anything that he can eat. That's that's his character. Like, and, he, and he takes a sip from it and like, yep, it's fat, just drank fat. Oh, but he doesn't count <laughs> the entire thing, does he? No, he, he just, just takes a sip, puts it back. And right, Charmer right. had had it as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I tried it and they, they do a call back with right. it because Monica's like, has someone been tricking my fat, you know? So most yeah. of that episode, the story is built around the moment when it, it leads mm. to the moment when he's going to drink it. And actually, they then pull their punches and Rachel stops him drinking it at the last moment. Yeah, it's because it's disgusting and yeah. violent. No one would do it willingly. So in bottom, yeah. I think that pint would have been down without thought and then they, they would have just moved on quickly to the next gag. It would have been a thing and then done. But in Friends, it's like a thing that builds and you can't do that. Mm. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. But I will say, yeah, obviously you've mentioned bottom, The Young Ones is another sitcom. Obviously, you know, it's in the Rick and Aid vile universe. But I will also say it's always sunny in Philadelphia. If you haven't watched all of it, please do, listener, um, because they've got the same amount of squalor going on like yeah. you know charlie the grilled charlie charlie actually eats like ridiculous stuff off the radiator and when yeah. danny devito's character frank comes in I and mean, he's got like a toe knife he's like carving oh. stuff out of his toes he's and yeah they eat like all kinds of ridiculous things in it's always sunny i think does he actually eat a rat in one episode um yeah there's yeah no um the raccoon, raccoon. raccoon. Is, is there that as well? But I'm pretty sure he ends up a, eating a rat as well in one sure. of the later ones. He kills a lot of rats and stuff. Yeah. I don't think he ever eats anything. I think he does. I think it's like later on when he's in that. Um, isn't he like really, really delirious in that one where he's doing like the Home Alone thing? 
at the football they've all gone yeah, to watch okay. the football and he's like set up loads of booby traps for himself he's legging a bear trap and stuff yeah right yeah so that yeah. if you anyone just watch that one i mean like my god it is it is ridiculous the amount of stuff that yeah. they go through in that and so yeah like i'd say it's always sunny in philadelphia is another one that's now entered since bottom that has this weird dark universe and it's so unusual for american sitcoms like you say like friends you can't think of many other gross out kind of stuff but weirdly there's a lot of gross out humor that happens in american kind of teenage comedies aren't they you know like all of all of the spoof um all oh, the scary movies and stuff. yeah like yeah okay there are some and really really grim things that happen in them oh, okay to a lighter extent things like the american pie films and porkies and things like yeah. that but yeah but in the world of sitcom like you're absolutely right bottom is a is a rarity isn't it in terms of how how dark and yeah, grim gross. their yeah. life is yeah I don't think in Steptoe and Son, I mean, one of my favourite gross, gross bits of it. Have you seen the one where, where Albert's in the bath and he drops all the pickled onions in there? Oh, He's man. eating pickled onions mm. in the bath and in itself is just disgusting. And then he drops them all in and then he puts them all back in the jar. Oh, and as, as he's in it, Harold comes in and, and sees him. And he, he just sees him. He's like, you weren't going to tell me, were you? You were going to let me eat them pickled onions <laughs> in the your dirty bath. What are you, dirty old man? Yeah, so the, you dirty old man. Like, sure. <laughs> that just sums up how grim and grotesque Do you ever see the live show of... Uh... Um, do you know I haven't no it was uh, written by Ray Galton mm. and it was kind of finale as uh-huh. such like they killed off um, old man ha- Harold mm. in and then he's like he's the go- he's haunting the, the sun and stuff and you see a bunch of flashbacks of old episodes and oh, things and oh wow so almost like a Scrooge yeah, kind of yeah it, was, it was really good and there's a bit when Harold brings back a bird and you see him having a bath in the middle of the flat <laughs> of his bare ass out on stage and stuff and, yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's loads of moments of that in Steptoe. And I haven't actually watched a lot of Hancock's Half Hour, but I've, I don't know how grotesque kind of they go. But there's definitely a kind of like people on the on the bottom rung of the ladder trying to work their way up. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of kind of like, I mean, I saw there was one that was like gambling. That That's what they're trying to do. There's even one that I watched where he's reading like through the paper and all kinds of things to get to enter competitions to oh, win okay. money like he's like you know i've left my job and now all i'm going to do is try and enter competitions and get loads of money from it and then his right. mate sid he's like right oh, i'm putting a bet on the horses basically uh, no the dogs i think it is so that's a very richie and eddie sort of yeah, thing and he's absolutely. like you know all these layabouts or whatever you know and he's like filling in his like comp- and he does say the bugle as well you know? <laughs> what is it a newspaper yeah yeah okay. he's looking he's looking through it and it's like the bugle they've got this and i was like wow they're just little things and you don't even know whether that's gone into rick and aid's mind almost os- it's like an osmosis or whether yeah, they've maybe. actually said oh we'll call it the bugle because that's what it's called in Hancock's Half Hour. I wouldn't be surprised if it was inspired by that because how many papers, even local papers, do you hear that are called the Something Bugle? It's yeah, not the Daily Bugle in New York, uh, Spider Man. Um, yeah. That's the most spot I think of when I hear the bugle. I don't actually hear it in real life, you're right. It makes me really, that's all I think about yeah. when I hear the bugle. Like, I know that they do exist. I know there's probably like a few regional ones dotting mm. around the UK, but then it's not really a very common thing. No, no, but it's quite a funny word, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And also, uh, that's a very dark university thing where everyone's on the take even the people mm. who run the spot the ball competition like <laughs> uh, terry venables wins it everyone can be bribed everyone yeah. can be bought everyone's looking to rob everyone else at the drop of a hat yes. in fact if you dropped your hat someone would steal it still yeah. margarine um well actually no they don't take bribes they didn't take the bribe well, i didn't win not but... much point because he took the fiver out didn't he that's right yeah <laughs> How much do you think the state of Richie and Eddie's flat contributes or, or is representative of the dark and gross universe they live in? Um, 98% mm. of it. Um, that's very 
exact figure that I'm very sure of. No, I mean, it's because their whole world's depraved and squalid. That's where they live. That's where they spend most of the time. It, by definition, would be mm. a shithole. If anything, it's too clean, though, isn't it? Like yeah. sometimes, like you know, like who does? I suppose Richie does eventually clean up. He's kind of putting stuff in the bin, is he? And throwing it out the window. Yeah. They would literally have shit smears everywhere, wouldn't they? Yeah, it looks messy, but it's not cluttered and stuff. There's obviously practically because it's a sitcom. They need to be able to move mm. around and do things. If it was an actual shithole place, you wouldn't be able to move from beer cans and stuff on the floor. But mm. yeah, you know, it's, we'll give them that. I'd like to read you guys an extract from a book that I read a while ago, and it made me think of Bottom when I was reading this particular extract. The character's name is mentioned early on in this, but I'm just gonna, I'm not going to refer to them by their name, just to mm-hmm. keep it a bit of a surprise towards the end. And we have to guess. You know, uh, right, the point of this isn't to guess who the character is, it's just to hear it, and then at the end we'll discuss okay. sort of why it made me think of Bottom. Okay. The alarm clanged to life, and he emerged from under sheets that looked and smelt as if they had been used by mating hippos. He started to grope around to silence the banshee wail that sliced through his head like a laser knife. He jacked open one eye and started to search for the off button. He turned the clock round and round, all the time its grotesque buzz burrowing through his eyes and making his toothache worse. The boil on the inside of his left nostril throbbed more than ever. After longer than it took to get served in an electrical store on a Saturday afternoon, he arrived at the conclusion. There was no off button. He hurled the clock to the floor and smashed it to death with the heel of his shoe. Or he thought he had... But no, just as he was climbing back into bed, the clock lurched back into life. He decided the only solution was to evacuate the room. He closed the door behind him and found himself in the kitchen. The smell of dead gravy sodomized both his nostrils. (laughs) Leaning towers of dirty washing were piled on every available worktop. He skated his way across the fat splashed floor and opened the fridge. Green milk pussed out of bottles. Something that looked dangerously close to an orangutan fetus was in a bowl covered in cling film. Well, he thought, I've lived in worse places than this. In fact, the fridge and kitchen are pretty tidy. He looked down at the welcome hamper on the table and picked up the letter which had been placed on top. Dear Mr. Lister, welcome... Yeah, I, it was, I was about yeah. to say, that really reminds yeah. me of Red Dwarf. Yeah. Dear Mr. Lister, welcome to hell. Once you've settled in, we hope your stay with us here will be an excruciating nightmare of torment and revulsion. If for any reason you discover anything is comfortable or pleasant, or in any way to your liking, please do not hesitate to call us and one of our staff will be very happy to ensure that everything is extremely unpleasant again as soon as possible. Yours, as ever, the Siberian Management. List appeared in at the hamper's contents. Sprout broth, sprout pate, sprout wine, four <laughs> packs of herbal cigarettes, a carton of dog's milk, and a book called Hamilton Academicals, The Glory Years. Suddenly, from the apartment above, the strains of a Neil Diamond song vibrated the dead light bulb, while from the apartment next door, the bass thump of a demented drum solo began to pound his skull. Oh my god, all those mm. references. The dog milk, little, little uh, f- uh, callback, really good. <laughs> drum next door, yeah, that'd be a... Pauling. Yeah, yeah. That's, absolutely. But, so that's from the book uh, Last Human, one mm-hmm. of the Red Dwarf books. Mm-hmm. And this is... The re- last one as well. The fourth, the last fourth one. one. Yeah. Yeah. Lister has been put into some sort of punishment program. He's, he's committed an infraction on some planet and this is the punishment. And what this thing does is they put you in a sort of artificial environment that scans your mind and puts you in your idea of hell. Yeah. So all, all the, the things that you hate. Yeah. And I, I, it seemed to me that when I read this, it made me think of Bottom. And it was quite funny that... This is Lister's idea of hell, and Lister is one of sitcom's biggest slobs. Yes, that's unusual that I don't think... He, yeah, as you say, he's lived in worse places than this. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lister, I think, without Crichton and without the ship, like, would be living in a shithole, wouldn't he? But obviously, he can't leave Red Dwarf too oh. squalid because it all gets kind of cleaned up for him. If you read, well, the first book, um, he's, yeah. where he lives is in a storage locker. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He hides that. And when he applies the space core, they just think it's some sort of joke, this address. And the knock as he comes, oh, yeah, hello. Yo, I tried sleeping rough once, uh, slept on a bench, woke up naked with a Chinese man licking my feet. Something like that. Yeah. Don't know why they have to say Chinese man. Racist. Well, I thought it was interesting that this is his idea of hell. This is a slob's idea of hell. Mm. And yet the description of the flat seems just like another day in Richie and Eddie's place. Yeah, yeah, and when they open the fridge and they've got, you know, cress coming out of the old yoghurt from the Gulf War. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they mention the toilet, mm. it needs either condemning or sealing in concrete and dumping in the North yeah, Sea. Yeah, it's like an unsurmountable Everest to, like, oh, I'm going to tackle that today. Yeah. Out. I even had a go at flashing the toilet. It's yeah. like a go at it. Literally needs nuclear, what is it, Chernobyl foam. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's shorthand, isn't it, that you just see a character, it's the same as costume you see the place where they live mm. and it's a shithole oh their lives aren't together mm. they're not excelling at life mm. and you know you don't want a sitcom character to be doing really well unless it's mm. in america <laughs> where they they like that or it's middle class you know yeah the 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 underclass that world that richie and eddie are inhabiting weirdly we can't recognize it Hopefully, none of us recognise, recognise living in it. Yeah, but in the yeah. young ones, there are elements of the student living and the squalor that you do if you've been through that that world of university. You know, the idea that no one's going to clean the toilet unless they really, really, really have gone to, you know, gone to the extreme. No one's going to do the washing up. It always sits in the sink for days on end. You're looking at me blankly like you guys are like, we didn't live like that. No, no, I still look students, like that. We, <laughs> yeah, we, had, yeah. we had an amazing, clean, clean no, no, time. No. No, but you see what I mean? Like yeah. the, the world in bottom is it's there in the base kind of humour of it's grim and you can recognise that, but then they go one step further to get the huge laugh out of you because of course it's ludicrous that there's crest growing out of a yoghurt in the, yeah. and they wouldn't have thrown it away yet. We also, I thought it was interesting you mentioned the middle class thing because I know this kind of ties into the costumes that we talked about, but in bottom there's this dark, depressing, dirty universe. They live in a dark, dank, dirty flat with a disgusting toilet. Yet their clothes are always clean. The shirts are white. I know the pants are dirty, but outwardly they're always clean and respectable. But they talk about their bo. They do, and yeah. they talk about how grim, like they've sewn on, so well glued on underpants. Yeah. And... But it's not like you ever see them like with sort of soot on their faces, like in Dickensian London or something. But in the young ones, the costumes of the characters, Mike was always fairly well turned out. The other three characters, I would say, their clothes were always quite worn weren't they mm, Neil's yeah. definitely but even Rick and Vivian you wouldn't look at those and go oh those are brand new clothes yeah. but Rick, Richie and Eddie look if you saw them outwardly on the street you'd think they've probably got a bit of money probably yeah. got you know or just the, at least they're normal yeah. you just think oh yeah. they look very normal yeah. which is not what you think about anyone but um, yeah they add a lot of spots and stuff to the characters and young ones as well mm. or maybe they didn't they were younger back then mm. they definitely added them to Rick didn't they yeah. and, uh, yeah. I, where it's interesting you mentioned the medieval and the middle ages because Neil almost looks like a medieval peasant doesn't he <laughs> he does when you yeah. think about his costume and his hair and he often he does just look quite dirty doesn't he yeah Whenever they do a Middle Ages sketch and the young ones, mm. the serfs in it, you're right, they just look like they're dressed like Neil. Yeah, you know, go back to Blackadder, like Baldrick, you know, like that. He's always filthy, isn't mm. he? And you're right, like Richie and Eddie don't look filthy, even though you can tell that they're meant to have body odour and they don't really have the best personal hygiene. When they are planning to go out, you know, they're spraying on the pheromone spray and they are like, you know, drawing, drawing chest hair on themselves and... Shaving their tongues. And... Getting ready, yeah. Some <laughs> some form, at least their form of personal hygiene mm. and grooming happens. So what would you say are the grossest moments that come to mind in Bottom? There's bits that sound disgusting. So I'm thinking of the, the splashing sound of Rick's diarrhoea when he's been electrocuted. 
that's that's pretty gross. But you never see you never see poo. You mean the cattle prod? Yeah, uh, yeah. What did I say? Sorry. You said no. I'm just saying uh, you talk about the yeah. cattle prod scene. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you ever see shit in Bottom, do you? You just hear yeah. and they talk about it. I like the well, you see <laughs> make it my eyes water. on Richie's head as he takes off the horrible Donald Trump oh, Kilroy yeah. wig. Yeah. The shit smeared, isn't oh, there? On his there forehead little... okay. when he gets pulled out of the yeah. toilet. Bottom line three, there's shit up his back. Yeah. Which yeah. is just just a black. Looks sort mm-hmm. of like a burn scorch mark more than skid mark yeah apart from that you don't tend to see a lot do you thinking of bodily fluids you see Eddie throws up you see a little bit of vomit splash over Richie mm. it's a bit of blood but that that's more violent than gross out but I mean that's a little bit interchangeable some people are very sickened by the sight of blood mm. like the obviously the um, finger being chopped off Eddie cutting his own wrist and the wrist and yeah you've said before Andrew, that seems more real mm. the cutting of his wrist and the spurt in the, the artery and that it just feels grosser yeah it's like violently realistic isn't it mm. like the, the that gross thing but when you say gross i suppose like it is things like i mean the tissues in the background in richie's bedroom and things like that you <laughs> notice them don't you but like you don't really take them in unless you're watching for a second or third time yeah um, i mean eating lard out of the fridge i mean i think that the way obviously age just is eating lard so you really feel how disgusting that was as he said in that Guardian interview, you can't really fake that, can you? <laughs> to which I did think... You well, can. You, you can. <laughs> I'm sure there's some kind of food stuff that you can put in your mouth that isn't fucking Probably animal fat. cheaper butter. to just eat yeah, edible, butter. though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Butter would be nicer than lard, surely. And looks pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess him eating the sprouts Mexicane, just that's all in his performance. He's just putting something that I'm sure is completely fine and in his mouth, like... Yeah. And it when becomes he's, gross. When and he's got the caviar... In yeah. his mouth, like, and it's all black all over his tongue. Yeah. And... Well, also the, the right putting, the, throwing the caviar away into the bin that's full of scraps of lettuce and stuff, and then putting it back in the bowl. But yeah. You, yeah. you mentioned the sprouts, Mexico. Actually, it, it's quite a dark and gross universe reaction to that. That all four characters who eat it end up farting flames, isn't mm-hmm. it? <laughs> but yeah, you're right. When it's like, oh, that's about two hundred quid's worth there. When you scrape that, he's getting it all out, and like you yeah. say, it's like the old rotting veggies like yeah. coming back out with it. Where was the? How long are that? cabbage and stuff been in there because they're not having cabbage that for that meal yeah. charming flat that's uh when anyone comes into their flat that's from the outside i can imagine them being appalled and she yeah but she well she's on the take isn't she? she's trying to get some some money so she's just putting on a brave face just but yeah she obviously yeah. can yeah that is a very loaded mm. comment it's a bit Passive aggressive, isn't it? It's, yeah, charming. Yeah, that is awful. Because it's interesting, isn't it? Like, because some of it's very descriptive how they describe like horrible things that have happened. Then other times, because in sitcom generally they tell you to show, don't tell, don't they? Yeah. Um, and in the pilot episode contest, you know, like when Eddie picks up that bit of where he's like, "What's this grilled lettuce?" And it's like, "Oh, it's bacon." And it's like, "It's green," you know, like, and they're kind of showing all that, but you don't see the green fly because obviously that would be hard to show on camera. Yeah. But you know, it's the description mixed with the sight that you're seeing, isn't it? A lot of the time in yeah. bottom. You know, um, I, I think they get the balance right most of the time between describing things and showing things because if they didn't show anything mm. it would be like you'd you'd hear all this stuff that they talk about that's gross 
But if you don't see anything gross on screen, you have difficulty believing it yeah. exists in this universe. You have to do some of it in order for the rest of it to actually Yeah, it's harder feel to real. sell, isn't yeah. it? But like if Spud Gun didn't come in looking so disgusting, like you know, it's like give me a potato and I'll show you why. Yeah. And then the topper of like give me a hedgehog and I'll show you why. Obviously it'd be really grim if they actually showed what their party trick is. Like it's just in your mind, isn't it? It's like, well clearly they're <laughs> using their penises to do something despicable animals often fare badly in this in this bottom universe don't they you that's get true dogs end up in kebab shops cats end up squashed in dustbins being shaken around yeah, that's right because tubs lardy killed them mm. hedgehogs get well we don't know what happens exactly with hedgehogs but something bad any other animals i've done three i can't think of any more. <laughs> there's so many animals there's one two uh, and then the, the, um hang on uh the parrot parrot gets shot mm. yeah mm. And does does Rich Pig. try and have sex with? Oh, the and the, as well? the tor- what, who left the rotting tortoise on the top step? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even though that but turns out to be a war helmet, is the helmet is yeah. full of what the cat shat in it? <laughs> no, that's it for animals. I think so. But oh. you, yeah, the idea of being you know cruel or just not regarding animals as a as an important thing because the idea that you know cat's been squished into a into yeah. a can and all you're going to do is go up to it and shake it around to hear the cat's corpse still in there rather than actually yeah. do something and like bury this poor thing oh uh, fish can't survive in the fetid water of Wimbledon Common yeah, in Elvis. this universe oh sorry and Elvis we've had to kill Elvis I was thinking of the of the fish in Wimbledon Common that must be that big but you're right yeah. in the, even in the opening of yeah, Apocalypse poking a dead goldfish mm. in the tank <laughs> it's very murky water as well, isn't it? So it yeah. wouldn't have been long for this world. It's a universe of decay and petrification. Yeah, but again, like you don't see a lot of the really horrible stuff. And I think we mentioned a couple of episodes ago about the um, the dog that gets squished in uh, Fish Called Wonder. Yeah, and that they actually showed it to the audience, and they found it too much. They didn't laugh until it was a comedy dog. Mm. You know, there is a line, isn't there, between what people will laugh at and in the League of Gentlemen when Chinnery. That the vet kills various animals, oh, or you know, like so horrors befall them, don't they? It does have to be quite funny for you to laugh at it, doesn't it? It can't be like very, dog very on real. Fire with it, with it, clearly a puppet at one point, just looking for it's like one second long shot of it on it's the fireplace horrific. and then explodes because it's full of gas. <laughs> so, in the case of both Bottom and the League of Gentlemen, then in order to differentiate something from just being horrific and make it funny, you have to make it slightly outlandish you have to make it out, outrageous it yeah. has to be sort of almost cartoonish and i think it? it has to work because of the trope that chinnery wants to be a good vet and he will never achieve that because of the, well, they, it's, it's the curse in the yeah. end that they explain it as but it's the comedy trope like it's a vet who kills every animal he touches mm. you know yeah. like that is the that is the thing Still in all of those sketches getting hired yeah, though, yeah. you would have done maybe two of them yeah. and then word would have got round but it's not intentional that's the thing he's not trying to be horrible to them and that I think that's is the why key it's thing. funny yeah. that's why you're allowed to laugh at it because if you were watching someone who was purposely harming all these animals it wouldn't be funny wild, at all like ha ha okay yeah what Whereas other... with Richie and Eddie, like they're not harming animals, but you know the idea of you know phoning up the kebab shop and they're like murdering Alsatians to put in the kebab, like that's just like nothing to Richie and Eddie, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. His, his Alsatian got run over last week, so yeah, it's yeah. just that that vile universe that they inhabit. It's like yeah, no, he's fine for fine for meat for the rest of the week. You know, they're trying to sell human meat to him, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you think me, about yeah. the grossest thing in bottom, <laughs> yeah. actually, they're trying to get rid of the gas man. By yeah, the things they go through, how they get rid of the gas man to avoid going and doing twenty five years in prison. Oh, they freak out. With, <laughs> they about have sex having... with him. <laughs> like, 
got him up and beat him to the local kebab shop. And you almost feel like, yeah, Eddie would probably go and buy a kebab as well, yeah. wouldn't he? After that, like a week later, he'd forget about the fact yeah. it was the dead gas man. He'd probably go and eat it, wouldn't he? How like, long does it take him to get over the shock of committing murder before they go in? Yeah. About five things? seconds. It really is pretty yeah. And quick. they're almost disappointed when he wakes up, aren't they? You know, yeah. like, oh, yeah, no, you know, but okay, you just get him out of the flat. But I'm actually, actually, I've just thought of another gross out moment in sitcom, which is when they're eating the dead guy in Red Dwarf in um, series seven when it's JFK. Oh, right. And uh, is it that Cat... that man we found, yeah. Yeah, Cat's lost his ability to... Guilt, is it? No, no, No. Crichton is sparehead free instead of Crichton. That's right. So he doesn't realise that... I ran it through and I thought, well, you know, humans eat other meat, so they must eat human. Um, There's no problem with that, is there? I get the error commands, yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's pretty grim, isn't it? Yeah. And then obviously we haven't mentioned Peep Show with the dog as well. Oh, with mummy fur on it. Yeah, but it's a the, turkey. It's a turkey leg. Yeah. Now with Peep Show, although that's funny, that's really grim to watch. Yeah. And I think that's because the dog looks so real. Mm-hmm. It looks like a dead dog that's only been put on a, a burned on a fire rather than charred, rather than barbecued until you can't yeah. see what it is. Yeah. The grim reality of them trying to set it on fire and the dog being mostly water yeah. and all this stuff and the, yeah. oh, what's that you got there? Barbecue. Do you want some? I really think you yeah. should have some. I'm not hungry at all. Like, yeah, so Peep Show actually does have these moments, yeah. doesn't it, as well? What also really sells that scene, and makes it really grim, is Robert Webb's performance. As you, He looks as though he's genuinely got dog meat in his mouth, yeah. and he's like... Yeah, and he's, and he's feeling completely sick from Probably it. Probably is genuinely a turkey leg in reality. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, yeah. but it's the hair Little on it. Little bits and of matted hair on and it. And the yeah. fact, also just the fact it's not actually cooked, is it? Like, oh God. It's barely, it doesn't look cooked right. And then it's, <laughs> what's that? And he's got the fucking <laughs> collar in there with a the bag. <laughs> mm, yeah, he's like, mummy, you've eaten mummy, you killed mummy, you've eaten mummy. Yeah. Well, I'll send um, you that CV. Get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that scene sold because Mark's desperately just trying to like get an in there, isn't he? And it's just ruined by Jeremy. I don't know whether they would have actually gone that far in bottom. Do you? Like, it felt yeah, like that yeah, was... I think they would have, for sure. Yeah, I suppose, I don't know. Like Richie and Eddie actually eating dead dog on camera just feels like a step too far. They would have, but it, I don't think it would have been recognisable dead dog it would have looked mm. like something else the fact that it's dead dog would be sort of moved on quickly they'd eat it and then they'd then there would be more consequences from that if that mm. makes sense i think they i think they'd probably eat all of it well and then like they'd be terribly ill or whatever yeah. almost like sprouts mexicane maybe yeah. like farting and shitting everywhere i don't know like but yeah that that moment because i love peep show but i think that was one where i cringed and felt that's a bit much yeah still laughed i think bit much is <laughs> is just enough with this sort of stuff, a mm. bit much is the right amount. You yeah. want to be shocked. It gets the line you, just yeah. a tiptoe over the line. You know yeah. that's that's where the sweet spot is. It's true, but then it can go wrong. I think in certain like I I can't remember the film completely, but the sex lives of the potato men. I seem mm. to remember there were lots of moments in that film that were just not funny. Right. Even though they were trying, you know, on paper they obviously thought, yeah, this will play. It'll be a bit grim, but it'll play, and it really didn't. Did it? Like, I, I, I had it, a really good cast in it, and everything. There's no reason why that film shouldn't have done well. I think it's Johnny Vegas and Mackenzie Crook, yeah, and Mark Gatiss. I think that was why I went to see it from the League of Gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure, and, you just made me th- remember when he t- he mentions this on the Richard Herring Leicester Square podcast. And he says, every now and then, someone comes up and he goes, oh, man, that's my favourite film. <laughs> and he's to, to which I say, about half past 11. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, it was really grim and missed the mark. So I think you can miss the mark on these things. So it's actually a really, really delicate line you're crossing with gross humour, I think. Yeah. At bottom, 
they do it they're doing it on purpose but it's because it's almost cartoon that they get away with it in that isn't it and with that i think we'll have a quick word from our sponsor The Talking Bottom book is available to pre-order from unbound.com forward slash bottom. It's a guide to the cult sitcom written by three nerds who have never worked on a sitcom in their lives. That's a lie. Matt's worked on a sitcom. Well, well was, was Edge of Heaven a sitcom? Uh, it was meant it, to be. It was, worked on. It was I sit. Mean, yeah, I, I, I directed a sitcom pilot. Oh, that's true. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Didn't, did, did it didn't get picked up. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. Three but people <laughs> who have no authority on sitcoms. There we go. <laughs> Why do you think in Guest House Paradiso, the whole vomit sequence doesn't really work? Again, bit too grim, isn't it? Right. And overplayed. Yeah. It's like you're laughing at the same joke over and yeah. over, isn't it, really? I think that's exactly what it is. The first vomit, mm. oh, that's quite funny. And then, oh, it's a bit more, it's the same. It's the yeah. same, yeah. And then that big ball of vom that comes rolling down. Like That should kind of work, but for some reason, it, I didn't think it did. Yeah, no. and, well, and his expanding cheeks that sort of the portentic. They're rubbery. Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. That is. Oof. It was like they were trying because obviously you know there's the moment in the meaning of life where um, Mr. Creosote explodes and that's grim, yeah. isn't it? It's like they were trying to do that because he's got like the vomit bucket next to him and everything, hasn't he? And but I would argue that the Mr. Creosote sketch stays funny through it. He keeps on vomiting mm. and it's still funny, and yet in Guest House Paradiso they keep on. Ramping yeah, up the vomit, and yet it gets less funny. Because there's a lot of um, decorum and class surrounding him. Mm. And I think that that's the where the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dichotomy? No, like just a, Difference? a, a comparison. A really juxtaposition? With, yeah, it's a juxtaposition of the yeah. posh people. And you, you see that one person be repulsed by this and mm. cough up a tiny bit of vomit and his... Oh, yeah. like, oh my god right. <laughs> Will you but please? do you think it's also maybe because the horror of it is before Lincoln so Mr Creosote's a horrible vile character isn't he so you're kind of glad when he is eating himself to the point of exploding because he's grim mm. do you think it's because the people in Guest House Paradiso are actually innocent guests mm. that are having this before them almost maybe that the joke is on the wrong side of the person who deserves it on on paper i think maybe being violently sick all over a child yeah, yeah that's really quite funny. funny that bit isn't it but oh. then it just gets less and less funny as as it goes on i still laugh out loud every time i see that scene in the in-betweeners where simon vomits is it the character simon where simon vomits over the kid yeah well, well the one i think of is when so which one's simon the boring one the yeah like, yeah, yeah. When he throws up and then kisses that girl. That's the same episode, yeah. 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 It's literally, yeah, he's just like, well, horny, this girl's giving a bit of interest. She's pissed out of her head. Oh, sorry, no, we're conflating the two there. There's an episode where she throws up and is like, kiss me, and he's like, oh, well, I still want to kiss you, even though you... Is that it? Yeah. And then, then, like, proper tongue in. When they're kissing, she's the one who's been sick, and he puts up with it for the sake of a snog. Sure. Grim. Do you know I haven't watched The Inbetweeners, and I know I really should. It's all right. I know. Oh, it's man, not right. watch it. I've seen like a couple of bits of it. I've seen the one where it's Will, isn't it? The yeah. One who, is he played by Simon Bird? Yeah. Yes. Will is losing his virginity, or he doesn't even, does he? I think. No, he does. He, he just sort of premature, lays on it and grinds up and down. Yeah. Um, I've seen that one. I've seen the one where they go to Alton Towers, isn't it? And the bus wankers and everything. And like, I really do like, and like Greg Davies is brilliant in it. Like, But I need to, and I saw the film 
weirdly, but I need to watch all of the series of In Between Us. But is that quite gross in parts then? Because obviously there are a few bits, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, but it's not the whole universe. They're in no, the real no. world. Yeah, they are. The, they're in the real world, which is why the gross bits feel grosser. Mm. Peep shows in the real world, which is why the dog thing feels bad. But Bottom, because it has its own universe with its own weird set of cartoon-type laws... It's not that everything doesn't feel gross. It's just that it all kind of falls under the yeah. same umbrella. And it feels it feels normal. You don't look at it and go, that wouldn't happen in real life. It actually feels like it's part of the... Well, uh, until you're analysing it like we do. And yeah. like, Why would they do that? Yeah, well, because it's a, it's a TV show. Um, but they the other thing about Bottom is that they're doing it because like Rick and Aid are obviously they're comedy characters and it's okay to laugh at them they're almost like the pantomime villains or whatever aren't they in their own downfall like it's that thing of like the end of every sitcom they're meant to end up back where they were and no better off for any of their dastardly schemes and that that happens as well so I I feel like that is why Bottom really works in their universe because you don't mind the fact that they're being grotesque because it's just how they are if you know what I mean like Albert Steptoe you don't think anything other than that that's just who he is because that's his lot and that's he's he can't be better himself and yeah you don't think what a horrible nasty man you just you love him for being horrible what about the locations they go to where's your favorite place outside the flat is the lamb flag for sure yeah. that we see it three times it's not a shit old pub really but it's just quite a well-observed dingy dive it's such an sort. old man yeah. pub isn't it the dogs outside attacking them throwaway gag the first time and then bring it back every time mm-hmm. a little callback funny convenient plot device of they need 5,000 quid and oh is it look <laughs> the uh yeah, um, the idea that there'd be five grand five on offer gra- at that yeah. pub quiz absolutely yeah, but, you know then within the reality of the show it's five grand of dodgy money that yeah. ties back it's consistent uh, it makes mm. makes perfect sense yeah they're the market on the, with it yeah yeah you'd think the lama flag should have like dirtier scummier toilets well this is i was going to say that they are pretty scummy but they're not as bad as they could be are they but, but you don't really s- but again if you saw it would it be as good but then the condom machine's pretty uh, no it's actually it's only once they've bashed it up that it's not mm. in pristine condition isn't it on the side i think or yeah. maybe that could just be well, there's that nameless and faceless shitter who uh, mm. goes through all that posh toilet paper of the encyclopedias? Yeah. That's quite grim. The fact, yeah. the, 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 the concept of that, that someone would think, oh, this is posh loo paper, all bounded <laughs> in leather with words on it, is that's a very cartoony, surreal moment. Mm. And you don't even see it. And that, that's a character that's quite up there, grim. Yeah. That, that could be some spin-off guy whoever that is you know <laughs> the phantom sh- yeah. the defecator the defecator yeah. that particular bit in that scene is made more cartoonish and more gross by the <laughs> splashy sort yeah. of sounds of the shit oh. which everyone recognises from that that shit that you have you, usually it's the one when you're when you're rushing for a flight at Heathrow <laughs> and you decided to have a Weatherspoon's breakfast that morning with a gin and tonic <laughs> Uh, so now, yes, yeah, another one of you say you don't really see this yet. <laughs> this is the laughter of recognition. Yeah. All my, right, all my worst shits are always at airports for some reason. Yeah, really? yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. I don't really. I think it's a combination of stress. You're rushing. Maybe the night before you were a bit stressed. You get up early because you're going for an early flight. You decide to have a Weatherspoon's breakfast. Your guts are kind of on edge, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, get everything. As well. Yeah, yeah. And they say it affects your gut, doesn't it? Like yeah. that kind of tension of getting a flight and everything. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I have done a few horrific shits in airports, but not to the point of. Like you know, ruining the <laughs> ruining the place. I hate bad, but it's always awful when you do that, and then you come out and you do like a bit of a smell or whatever, and then the cleaners there. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, <laughs> there's something. I was with you, Paul. Actually, um, <laughs> this was years and years ago. We didn't know each other that well. Yeah. Um, I went to the toilet in this pub somewhere in Wimbledon, and <laughs> so I went for a piss, and the urinals won't 
available. Right. <laughs> so when there was two cubicles, one the cubicle I went in and someone had shit on the toilet seat. <laughs> When I left, as I was leaving, the cleaner was coming in. Oh, and what, and they thought it was you? Well, I don't know, but okay. I just, as I left, I just hear throughout the door close, Oh, no! <laughs> the poor, the poor guy is that literally, that's his jo- poor job. Yeah. I think the moral of this story is don't go drinking in Weatherspoons in Wimbledon. <laughs> don't oh. shit on a toilet seat. And, well, I've ne- I mean, I've only ever been in ladies' toilets and I, I've never seen that that horrific a mm. find. If I've ever had to go in a boys, though. Oh, yeah. No, grim. Oh, God. Well, talking of Wimbledon, what about Wimbledon Common? That's a good location, yeah. which is pretty fucking grim, isn't it? So the washing, no, not washing machine, um, shopping trolley um, in the pond. Yeah. It's quite well observed. It's like scummy areas. where the, well, the condom. Yeah. I like the fact the, that there's effort behind the story of that. Wimbledon Common is massive. And to get a shopping trolley into the middle of it and hurl, <laughs> hurl it into a pond takes a fuck lot of effort. What was that person doing? What yeah. was, there's a story there. Yeah. You know, like... Every sign there's a story behind you. Don't know, no standing on tables. Someone will obviously. Well, I mean, I never yeah. did this, but do teenagers just steal trolleys to then, like you know, ride around in them, push yeah, each other maybe. around, and then shove their eight in a pond? I mean, at, at, <laughs> I at some point there must have been a reason why supermarkets introduced putting a pound in mm. that you can get back, or having those magnetic lock things on the edge of the car park. Yeah, yeah. the magnetic the magnetic lock actually did stop things being stolen because a pound for a shopping trolley is a pretty good deal really. yeah. it's not really if you're going to steal it like well a pound is only yeah I'm going to take this home and turn it into a barbecue <laughs> if you want to give us any feedback on the themed episodes we're doing at the moment or indeed uh, give us any ideas to include when we're writing the Talking Bottom book you can get in touch with us at 11mafikingparade at gmail.com or we are on Twitter Instagram and Facebook at Talking Bottom does anyone use Facebook anymore? I try and avoid it, apart from obviously when we're sharing all of our great news on our Talking Bottom page. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't really share a lot of things personally anymore, because you just can't be doing with people harping in. Have you seen the VR thing that they've got, that Facebook are trying, like VR meetings or something, you've got like an avatar thing and you can all be around a desk and stuff. That sounds terrible. It's pretty nightmarish. It looks, but it it looks kind of fun. So we could do the podcast from different areas and it'll look like we're together around the table. You can set like the area. So maybe you could put in bottom flat or something. I'm completely making that conjecture. I don't know if you can do that. So if we ever get aid on, then we can do that with him in the the background. I'm sure he'd love, like, well, we've sent you the VR gear. Put it on, please. What? How do you know where I live? Uh, Well, we had to send you the letter begging you to come on this podcast. Aid, please come on this podcast. And and let us know if there's any dark and disgusting universes that we didn't compare bottom to. Like, if you're a fan of Labyrinth or something, tell us we totally missed that and we're idiots for not thinking of it. Labyrinth? What, the Jim Henson thing? Yeah. You know, that has things like the Bog of Eternal Stench and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, but we, we're, we're trying to focus on sitcom yeah, yeah, particularly, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. But, um, yeah, do do give us any kind of things that we've missed. I mean, we're, we're only trying to do this in, like, an hour, so we can't cover everything, but we always welcome... All your feedback, good or bad, mostly good though, please. Otherwise, you know, Paul and Matt's egos can't take it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks very much for listening. <laughs> there's never been any negative feedback towards you, Ange. That's true. Actually, yeah, if anyone all, wants to write me any hate mail, yeah. there's never been any positive either, though. Okay. If there's ever any incels out there who the... really want <laughs> <laughs> to murder Ange, yeah. get in touch. No, um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't know. There was one guy who was like, "I want to hear Angela's points, but I can't hear her on the mic." I think from that was, was series, series one. one. Yeah, as the only person I think who's actually 
acknowledge let's, you. Let's, let's hear what Angela wants to let, let, Let's hear what Angela has to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, see you next time. Bye. Fuck off. <laughs>